Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Communicate Great podcast. I am Tracy Poe, and we have guest Jenny Rock with us this morning. And I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. However, before we get to there, I would like to talk about our sponsor, Lauren Patton, and she is with the Wellness Company. And we are going to drop her information in the description. And so go check her out, support her. She supports us. And Lauren is all about living a toxic-free life in your products, in your home. And so they have everything from house cleaners to cosmetics to body care to supplements, just um, oils. So anyhow, just a wide variety of products that I have been testing and enjoying and I love. And so go check Lauren out. But let's get back to Jenny, thank you so much for coming on. I love that you're here. I was, we were just talking before we got started and I told Jenny that as soon as I found out what she did, I really wanted to have a conversation with her. And so I asked her to come on so we can have this conversation. But Jenny, just briefly before we get into tying it into communication, because everything you do, everything you do is about communication. And so if you would just let our listeners or viewers know what you do, and then let's just start talking. Great. Well, thank you for having me, first of all, Tracy. I really do appreciate it. Um, I work with parents going through divorce or who have become divorced. And I work with one parent, and it's where the communication has completely broken down. Um, the child is in the middle of a war zone because the parents mm. are just, they just cannot talk to each other with any level of, of civility or concern. Um, and I help them to redefine their communication. I help them to overcome those challenges that they're facing in terms of building a new way of communicating with their ex. Mm, I love that. So I... Uh... Listeners, viewers may know, may not know that I have, I've come from divorce. Well, not my parents, but I am divorced and I have two biological children. And then my husband is also previously divorced and he has um, three biological children. And so I walked the, I walked that journey before he did. And so by the time, um, you know, he and I connected and I was trying to really, I was trying to help him through his journey because I saw what it did to my kids and, and my ex-husband and I had a great chunk of time where we were not civil to each other. And, you know, your kids are caught in it. And mm -hmm. I, um, you know, we finally, you know, we don't have lengthy conversations. We have very short conversations and that, that works for us. But at this point, our children are now adults, but at the beginning they were small. And so I know that my, uh, my husband, current husband and his ex-wife, man, they had the same, they had years where they could not speak to each other civilly. And, and now they can, now they'll, now they'll talk on the phone periodically about the kids um, and, and they're adults too by now. But um, yeah, it is just a, 
gut-wrenching thing, divorces, period. But then you throw children into it and the way that they are caught in the middle. When you said war zone, you nailed it. And so one of the things I want to really do with you is just pick your brain on ways that ways that parents either, like you said, going through the divorce or are, are already divorced, how they can a recognize what it's doing to their children and, you know, kind of regroup their mind so that they can get, I don't know, get over themselves, whatever it takes. So let's start with that nugget. Let's just start with how do you help someone realize, or maybe they have to come to it on their own, but just what it's doing to the kids? I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges and um, one of the first things that we really addressed because when people get divorced, that's normally one of the worst periods of their lives. The way that they communicate with each other is just horrible because they're going Mm -hmm. through this divorce and then they get stuck. That doesn't move. So once Mm -hmm. the divorce is over, they stay stuck in that framework of communication you know I hate them they did this it's all their fault you know and they they just get completely stuck and quite Mm -hmm. often it's it's when I start talking through the impacts of toxic co-parenting that it has on the children that they start kind of going oh 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 dear Mm -hmm. Um, because they may or may not have seen some of those impacts already but if the mm-hmm. parents loves their children, they do not want them to go through the the, the trauma mm-hmm. that they will develop as a result of the toxic co-parenting, because it can have significant lifelong events and repercussions um, yes. for them. It really can. Yes. So one of the things that I have heard, and and I don't know if you know some of my background, but just to let the viewers and listeners know, within my communication umbrella, I am also a mediator. I haven't mediated in years, but I have the training and I used to mediate juvenile victim offender, civil and family. And so one of the things I've heard, not just through the mediations, but just life, right? I'm divorced. you just, we're always around people who are divorced. The number of marriages that end is staggering. And so you're going to be, you're going to know somebody who's divorced. So yeah. one of the things uh, that, that I've heard before is the kids will get over it. They're young or they'll, they're old enough. They'll get over it. No divorce in and of itself is hard enough on your children. I don't care what age they are, even if they're an infant they're going to understand growing up a different world, a different life than someone who has their, their biological parents' marriage intact. And so marriage, I mean, I'm sorry, divorce is hard enough, but now you throw in the bickering, the fighting, the using the kids to get at the other one. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So you mentioned they, once they start to understand the impact, what are some things 
because I could tell you what, what my kids have gone through and what my stepchildren have gone through. But just for our viewers and listeners, from your professional standpoint, can you just name some things that that the kids might be going through and those those long term, if not permanent, repercussions from from this fighting the ugliness? Yeah, absolutely. Um for certainly for the younger children you can get regression, bedwetting um, babyfying their behavior, uh, behavioral issues at school or at home, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. playing up for, for one or both parents um, as they get older. Um, it could be skipping school. It could be substance abuse, smoking, drinking, mm-hmm. alcohol. Um, it could even be drug abuse in terms of heroin, you know, cocaine, hard drugs. That, mm-hmm. You know, they're not raiding the cabinet. They're going out there and they're seeking a, a an item to put within their body to take them out of their current reality. Um, right. But then you've also got um, criminal behaviour that mm-hmm. they will they will act out in a, a more grown up way, and they will have to face consequences of that. Um, and a, you know, there's also suicide. You know, mm-hmm. mental health issues, bulimia, anorexia, um, finding mm-hmm. trying to find a way to control what to them feels completely out of control. Yes. And that's, you know, it's not that they're deliberately being naughty or bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the only way that they feel that they can cope. It could be emotional mm-hmm. overeating, emotional not eating. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the list mm-hmm. is endless. And I know certainly with, um, with my son, he ended up with complex PTSD along with mm-hmm. massive anxiety issues, depression issues. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's awful. It can really, really impact very heavily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I like when you said that it's the coping. And that's one of the things that I've actually had a conversation very recently with someone about one of my children. And I made the comment, this was in his control And so this was the behavior because he couldn't control all of this other stuff. And so, and, and I can see that. And actually several of our children, stepchildren, I could definitely see that, okay, this is in my control. So I'm going to behave in this way because I can't control mom and dad. I can't control the way they're fighting. I can't put my family back together and so that those coping skills are not always the healthiest. But here's the deal. How do you have as a child healthy coping skills when you're watching very unhealthy coping skills with those parents going at each other? And it has Absolutely. nothing to do with the kids. And then the kids, I know that for my mom, um, and I know that she would be fine with me saying this, she's passed now, but. She came from divorced parents and, you know, she's told me that she used to blame herself for her parents' divorce. She thought it was all her fault. And I'm just wondering, was she ever able to come to the conclusion that, you know what? Um, Sorry, I have my phone on do not disturb, but it is ringing through anyhow. So 
anyhow, you know, was mom ever able to come to the conclusion that it, it, her, her parents getting divorced wasn't her fault? Mm. And so I know that even as an adult, she brought that up several times. And when I was going through my divorce with my very young children, she brought that up again and said, you know, just kind of one of those beware, beware that this is, this may be how they feel. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would imagine that again, for a child to find healthy coping skills when they're watching very unhealthy coping skills is next to impossible. And so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I feel like you, your thought is kind of the same as my thought. They, um, they very much model what they see. That's how children learn. That's how yes. children have always learned. They model what they see. And when they see two parents that don't get along, that decide they're not going to be together anymore, and then they separate, mm -hmm. but it's World War Three. that's how mm -hmm. they think it should be. Right. So they grow up and they go into this world and they go into their relationships and mm -hmm. they turn it into a battleground because they think that's normal. Mm -hmm. And therefore you create this self-fulfilling cycle of these, mm -hmm. these children growing up yes. and having unhealthy relationship after unhealthy relationship because that's all they know. Yes. Right. Yeah. So once a parent understands what this is really doing, and you know what, I honestly think as a parent, we never fully understand what it's doing to our kids. No. We can see if we are aware, we can see things that are happening. But, you know, now again, that my kids are adults, I've had conversations, at least with my daughter. And, you know, she's just kind of dripping reality in and man, you know, I, I could see some things that were on on the exterior but you don't really know what's going on inside and so and, and I would even check with them periodically how are you with the divorce what's going on do you want to talk about it so I had that awareness but even with that even with me periodically checking in with them there were still things that she held inside and didn't share with me until much later. And so, you know, gosh. Okay. So now you, the parents or at least one parent is aware they want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So you're working with them. What are some of the ways that you coach them, that you advise them, that you help them with communicating with their either ex or soon to be ex partner? I think um, I, I tend to break my program into two halves. And okay. I, say, I say to them all, when you get to the halfway mark, you're going to feel great. You're going to feel like you can do all of it all by yourself and you're going to feel wonderful. I said, but I'm like a course of antibiotics. You have to stay the course because I'm mm. applying the, the techniques that you need mm to you mm. in the in the first half the second half i'm going to teach you how to do that to yourself so that mm. you then have the tools to deal with it forever you know whatever oh, wow. happens you can deal with it right and for the first generally speaking i take the what i call like the the dark and dirty cases you know mm. it's really quite 
often incredibly toxic and you've got wow. parental alienation and you've got children being withheld from their parents and mm -hmm. it's about it's about rebuilding that person mm -hmm. in the first instance because mm -hmm. they need to be ready to want the help and it takes time for them to get to that point where they're ready to accept that they need help and they're ready to to accept help and I tend to spend the first half building them up. So rebuilding their self-esteem, rebuilding their confidence, rebuilding, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the essence of them so that the, they can become the best person that they can be. And I do that right. by challenging their beliefs, uh, challenging those limiting thoughts that they have in their head, um, giving them alternative perspectives to consider. Um, so the first half is very much, let's start rebuilding you but a better version. Mm. Um, and then the second half is giving them the tools to stay there. And it's, you know, nothing's perfect. So, you know, I, I still get random sort of phone calls or messages saying, oh my God, this has happened. What do I do? And then it's a quick mm. phone call or a quick, a quick chat. And there you go. This, you know how to do this. Um, mm. <laughs> just reassurance, I think, some for some people of knowing that, yeah, I'm, I, I do know how to do this. I can do this. Um, but it's very, it's very challenging when they're faced with a constant barrage of what can only be termed as abuse coming from the mm -hmm. other person, male or mm -hmm. female. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I always tend to say uh, males are far more um, hands-on, you know, that they're very much hands-on, whereas females are very psychological in terms of the way that they, they communicate. So you're dealing with two different communication styles. And I think one of the biggest lessons is, is it more important to be right or yes. is it more important to get the result that you're looking for? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I've asked people before is is kind of the same thing, but the situation is different, which is more important being right or the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so you could still even say that in this case, it may not be the relationship. Well, it is. It is the relationship with the children because that is what matters. Yes. So I'm just thinking because we're human and I, I, a little familiar with human nature. I, for me, I know that there are times, actually, since I was a child, all of my life since then, I would recognize what I need to work on and start working on it. But that still doesn't mean that I don't roll into those times where I'm like, well, it's not my fault. That's their fault, right? Mm -hmm. It's them. If they did it, if they were different, if they didn't do this, totally not thinking about, well, what is my part in that? And so I imagine what you're talking about, the, the, the positioning of the toxicity in, in the people that you work with, I would imagine that that is very, very prevalent. Well, they're the ones doing it. So do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, sure. And one of the first lessons that they learn is that you cannot control somebody else. You cannot control what they say, what they do, what they think. It's impossible. You cannot control mm -hmm. what the other person is doing. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that you can control is how you react to whatever it is that they're mm -hmm. throwing at you. Right. How you and it's respond. hard. 
Yeah, and it is hard. It's yeah. very hard. <laughs> okay, so so now let's talk about communication skills, tools, techniques, because Communicate Great is all about helping people level up their communication skills. And I say, whether it's for your personal life or for your professional life, we help you build your relationships by connecting at a deeper level with people. And so clearly this is in the personal realm, but what kind of in that vein of helping people with tips and tricks, what are some tools, tips, techniques, what are some ways that you recommend that you give people to kind of weather the storm of this very toxic communication that's going on in, in, in the situation? Yeah. And I think one of the very first, um, one of the very first things to remember is that people are not designed to be alone. Um, mm. We're designed to work as a part of a community. Um, mm -hmm. That's how human beings work. So when mm -hmm. you isolate yourself from all of that, you're cutting off all of the things that can help you get better. Mm -hmm. So being able to open themselves to receiving help is one of the biggest challenges sometimes that they have because they feel so hurt and so alone mm -hmm. and so isolated um, that it's really important that even if they just open themselves with me initially, by the time they get halfway through, they're, you know, they're, they're reconnecting with people or they might have a new job or, you know, their life changes significantly over a period of a couple of months. So the willingness to accept help is, is hampered by pride and ego. And is it more important? for you to look good or is it more important for you to be able to not traumatize your children <laughs> right and you know that's right. that's one of the biggest questions because ego and pride we create ourselves you know it means nothing to anybody else mm -hmm. zero you know it means absolutely nothing to anybody else we are the ones inflicting this upon ourselves um mm -hmm. <laughs> so so, mm -hmm. you know, once once we have that conversation, a lot of people kind of go, yeah, actually, yeah, this is ego here that's that's talking or pride or, right. you know, I just can't bear right. for them to be right. Um, it's like, well, so, mm -hmm. so what if they're right? Right. So what if they're right? Who cares? Does it matter? Mm -hmm. Does it change mm -hmm. anything? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think um, one of the, the things I often do is say to them, right, okay, so if you were talking to your best friend and they came to you with this challenge, what would you advise them? And asking them to look at it from a different perspective starts opening that door because oh, that like might that. not be the, the perspective that I'm looking at it from, but mm -hmm. just being able to just step outside the circumstance and look at it from a different view starts to open up their mind mm -hmm. yeah so once they understand the need really to change to change the dynamic because the dynamic will never change if one person doesn't change they there has to be a catalyst for that for that path that they're on to alter and so once they realize that, 
What do you recommend for them in terms of communicating with their kids? I think um, being age appropriately honest with their children is really mm. important because if you lie to them, it's going to come back and bite you. It's going to come back mm. and bite you. And mm. um, the children need to see that you're not perfect. So mm. they need to understand that everybody gets upset and cries sometimes. People get angry sometimes, but it's not mm. about that initial emotion. It's about what you do with it afterwards mm. um mm -hmm. so it's okay for you to say to your children do you know what i i messed up i did something mm. really stupid and i hurt mommy or daddy and you know it's going to take a long long time for for me to fix that but what i have done is i have broken the trust that we had and that means mm. that mommy and daddy need to be separate now you know, mommy needs to be able to find somebody that she can trust because mm. I, I broke that trust. And being able to be honest with your children and being able to admit and own your mistakes, mm -hmm. I think is really important. And yes, mm -hmm. the child will be defensive of the, you know, the person that got hurt and they'll be less defensive if they can see you taking accountability oh, yeah. than mm -hmm. they will be if you basically sit there trash talking their other parent mm -hmm. um, because what you're also teaching them is how to be honest how to mm -hmm. own it how to how to behave when you have that. a breakup so you know if you're the one that's hurt you can say to them well do you know what you know mommy and daddy or daddy and daddy or mommy and mommy can't can't be together now you know sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes these things just don't last as long as you want them to and you know mm -hmm. nobody did anything wrong we just started arguing all the time and we can't be friends now you know mm -hmm. we just can't um and if somebody was being mean to you in the play in the playground or if, if you didn't like somebody in the playground um you know would you want to be friends with that person if somebody made you be friends with that person and mm -hmm. try and trying to relate it in a way that they understand but that also makes it very clear that if mummy and daddy are not going to be reconciled in any way, shape or form, then that has to be clear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So another question I have just for the listeners slash viewers is what would be some ways that you would recommend in terms of communicating for the parent that you're working with and hopefully the parent that you're working with will maybe start sharing some stuff with the other person and maybe, you know, things will change. But in the meantime, that one person can, like you said, only control them. What are some ways that you would recommend that they communicate to the children to help them to some degree start feeling a little more secure, mm -hmm. stable, loved? I think, um, I think one of the, the first things that I, that I task them with is don't weaponize the children. So if mm. the child, if, if it's local enough that, you know, the child can go between houses and just, you know, have dinner there and then come back home and, you know, don't use the children or withhold the children as a way of punishing the other person, because that's not, mm. you're not punishing the other person. You're punishing the child. Exactly. That's not fair. Um, exactly. So 
if you know if something has happened that it's not safe for the other child to spend time with the parent unsupervised then mm -hmm. the the parent that's insisting on supervised on supervised visits has every right to to secure the safety of their children um mm -hmm. but they also need to you know they need to be again as honest as possible with the child you know well mommy or daddy is they're a bit poorly at the moment and um because they're poorly at the moment um it's really important that that mommy or daddy gets gets some support while they're seeing mm -hmm. you so this is what's going to happen mm -hmm. and you know if they have an addiction it's not a personality trait or a personality flaw it's an illness you know if they have mental health issues it's not a personality trait it's an illness and it's about trying to be kind mm -hmm. because i think one of the things that we've lost in the world um over the last sort of few decades is the ability to be kind just for the mm -hmm. sake of being kind not because we want anything out of it but just to be kind um, right. and if that means that being kind means that you don't get to take the child to see santa this year because you're letting the other parent do it it's one year if necessary you can take you can both take them to see santa you know try and right. try and see the same one so there's no confusion <laughs> but, but you know right right <laughs> but just he because didn't he what yeah, yeah absolutely great. But, yeah but things like i mean one of the questions i have coming up with me with with one of my clients is well what do we do over the holidays it's kind of like mm. well what's best for the child mm -hmm. and if what's best for the child is that they wake up in a familiar place on christmas morning and then they go off and see the other parent in the afternoon then that's great mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if one parent misses out completely on christmas day or thanksgiving day it's a date in the calendar it's a number right therefore they can recreate that day on the day that they do have the child mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you know most especially the younger ones they have no concept of dates and times they have right. no idea mm -hmm. <laughs> Right. You know, the fact right. that they get two Christmases and two birthdays and two of everything, you know, right. can be turned into right. a positive. Right. And I will say that that my daughter did echo that when she was little. They they kind of came to that conclusion. Oh, wait, we get one with mom and one with dad. Mm. So, you know, you talked about splitting the day and, and here. Well, the way that my divorce decree was written. Whoever had them for Thanksgiving did not have them for Christmas that year. Right. But one of the things that we did was even though whoever had them for Christmas day really wasn't supposed to, the other person wasn't supposed to get them until I think the next day or day after we still always split Christmas day, even though it wasn't written in the divorce decree. Because I do think as, as toxic as we were communicating, I do think, you know, it, it didn't last for years and years and years. Um, I say that, I mean, there's still digs, but, um, I, I think just, we both realized that for eat for our children, 
to get to see each parent on Christmas Day. And you're right, there there, there really was no concept. But the, as they got older, that that was more important to me, and I'm sure it was more important to him than hoarding them all day long. But we, but we could do that. And so that I, maybe that's the one day of the year that we were able to kind of speak civilly to each other. But we did feel like that was really important for our children. So, yeah. Um, and they can create new traditions if they don't have the child mm -hmm. for Christmas, for example. Maybe they mm -hmm. could go out just before Christmas or just after Christmas and go ice skating and have yes. chocolate, uh, hot chocolate with marshmallows yes. afterwards and a big muffin and you know uh, go and watch go drive around and look at the lights or you know mm -hmm. they can create new traditions that are mm -hmm. individual and unique to that relationship mm -hmm. i love it all right well before we wrap this up is there any other advice that you would give our listeners or viewers in terms of communicating either with their ex or soon to be ex or with the children. Any last thing, anything that I haven't asked you that you really feel like is important to share? I think um, one of the first, well, one of the best pieces of advice would be um, before you say it, think about how you would feel if that was said to you. Mm, I like that. So just take just take a few seconds and just just pause. And think mm -hmm. about how you would feel if that was said to you, whether mm -hmm. you be an adult or a child, you know, mm -hmm. put yourself in those shoes and just think mm -hmm. about what's being said um, and mm -hmm. how it's going to sound. And mm -hmm. I think the other the other thing is. And I, I say it all the time and <laughs> it sounds really brutal, um, but I do t tell people you're just really not that important. You know, mm -hmm. the children are the important ones, <laughs> right? Not right. the adults. The adults can deal mm -hmm. with it themselves. They can mm -hmm. take themselves to therapy. They can take themselves off and find a new partner. They can do this that, and the other. The children can't do any of it. Mm -hmm. They're reliant mm -hmm. on, on the parents for everything. No, I agree. And a lot of times we start to think we're the victim. Well, mm. the kids are the victim. Yes. The kids are the one who didn't ask for any of this mm -hmm. and they have to deal with it from now on. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. I like, I like the tip of before you say it, would you like somebody saying that to you? That is a really good tip. Not just in this situation, in the co-parenting situation, but just any situation. I really mm -hmm. like that. Um, okay. So I know that you're in the UK Yes. Do you only work with clients in the UK or do you work with anybody because we can do this now? Do you work yeah. with anybody anywhere or, or what? Tell us about how somebody could reach out to you. Would you work with them? That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I work anywhere in the world. Um, luckily okay. I don't have to drive. I don't have to jump on a plane. I can just do it all on zoom. So I speak mm -hmm. to everybody on zoom. Um, even when they're in this country, okay. you know, it's still, okay. still use Zoom. And obviously we can, fact, we can figure out time differences. So that's not a drama. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I have a website that's uh, www.coparentingwithoutconflict.com. And uh -huh. um, there's a contact me form on there. Uh, just drop me a message. And I always do like a, a free 
discussion, shall we say, it's mm-hmm. conversation slash discussion, to really identify mm-hmm. at what situation a person is at. And if I'm not mm-hmm. the right solution for them, then I'm pretty sure that I've got somebody in my in my uh, connections that would be a better fit for them. Okay. I love it. Well, and we will drop your information in the description. So that if somebody needs to get in touch, they can get in touch. Okay, Jenny, I, I cannot stress this enough. What you do is huge again, because the number of people divorced or getting divorced is staggering. And so I just think what you offer to people, even though the work is hard, I have a friend who uh, is a grief recovery specialist, Danielle, she's been on the podcast. And one of the things she says is you've, you've got to do the work. I can't do the work for you. Yes. And so I know it's the same with you. I know that it is hard work. Oh my gosh, it is hard work. And you are going through all of the emotions and there's just so much clouding your brain. So you coming in, and helping someone reason where reasoning is very difficult in that moment and helping them recognize what it's doing to the kids and the ways to communicate or not communicate specifically with the, with the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know sometimes not communicating via text or call or email or whatever, just having that cool off period. I know that that can also be very helpful. So mm-hmm. Anyhow, just, I love what you do. I think it is so, so, so important. And so just on behalf of uh, me and the other people who know and recognize the value of what you do, I just say thank you because I know I used to do conflict coaching and I know just the energy toll and the emotional toll that that can start to have on you just constantly helping someone through conflict is hard and it is hard work for you helping them do the hard work. And so thank you for what you do. I love it. It's very, very needed. And I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time. All right, everybody, we will see you. (laughs) Sorry. We will see you next time on the communicate great podcast and have a great week.